John Rappaport sitting in for James Corbett on the Corbett Report for May 22nd, 2012. I've been working as an investigative reporter for the last 30 years. You can read my work at nomorefakenews.com. Tonight I'll be carrying on with material that I presented last week about the medical cartel, including a breaking story about the FDA and weave you into the matrix, the medical aspect of a wide-ranging, all-including matrix, and bring you some explosive information from a retired propaganda retiree, master technician, Ellis Metavoy, Ellis does not speak publicly, but I will relay many of his comments to you about some underlying conspiracies that have to do with very relevant medical subjects for our day. So we begin with the FDA. Last week I broke the story that the FDA on one of its own web pages readily admits that 100,000 people every year die in the United States because of the administration of FDA-approved pharmaceutical drugs. That 2 million more people experience very severe adverse reactions to these drugs. And we're not talking about headaches or dizziness. We're talking about brain damage. We're talking about strokes, heart attacks, that sort of thing. Now, I had been on this beat as a reporter for quite a long time, 10 years, detailing that indeed 100,000 people at minimum in the United States are killed every year by FDA-approved, correctly prescribed drugs. This was based on a study published in the Journal of the American Medical Association on July 26, 2000, by Dr. Barbara Starfield, who was working at the time at the Johns Hopkins School of Public Health. But the media did not really run with the story. Of course, they didn't. However, now, the story is spreading like wildfire across the Internet because we have the smoking gun. We have the web page of the FDA, which, if it's still up as we speak, you can Google it with FDA, Why Learn About Adverse Drug Reactions. If you type that in, you should get a page. Why Learn About Adverse Drug Reactions, FDA. So in one breath, The FDA is admitting that these statistics are real, but schizophrenically is saying nothing about the fact that none of these drugs, these lethal drugs, would be on the market if it weren't for the fact that the gatekeeper, the FDA, approves all drugs as safe and effective before they can be released to the public. Quite unbelievable. 
this would be like the FDA, I mean the FBI, listing on their website that the third leading cause of all homicides in the United States are FBI agents. I mean, it's equivalent to that, except the figures here are much greater. We'll be back with more specifics and details on the Corbett Report. Fake news back substituting for James Corbett tonight on the Corbett Report. Talking about this smoking gun at the FDA. Now, further information has come through to me. This web page on the FDA's uh, basic site that admits that medical drugs kill 100,000 people a year in the United States was originally a page that was a kind of a come-on for an educational module. But the link that's there is a dead link to the module. However, someone apparently was able to access some of that module material and sent it through to me. And from what I can tell, it seems to be part of that old educational training program. And basically what you see is that the FDA is trying to explain away these 100,000 deaths every year through incorrect combining of drugs, prescription errors by doctors, and especially patients self-medicating, which is absurd, completely absurd. Although those things do occur, they can't possibly add up to 100,000 deaths every year like clockwork in the United States. For that, what you need is a criminal agency that time after time after time declares these lethal drugs to be safe and releases them for public use. And that agency, of course, is the FDA itself. So that's a futile attempt to explain this away, the FDA is guilty. Now, it's quite incredible on one level that nothing has happened to that agency. To my knowledge, over the last 10 years since these figures have been known, no employee of the FDA has ever been censured, arrested, prosecuted, fired, for allowing this to continue. And this means genocide. Because if 100,000 people are dying a year from the effects of pharmaceutical drugs, we're talking about a million people a decade. One million people a decade. Now, the psychological operation inherent in this, as described to me by retired propaganda master Ellis Metaboy, which is a pseudonym, 
whom I interview a number of times in my new collection called The Matrix Revealed, Ellis said to me the following, Look, this also operates not just as a killing machine, but as a psyop, psychological warfare. Because when you begin to add in all of the emotional turmoil that surrounds every single one of these deaths, every single one of these severe adverse reactions to drugs like a stroke or brain damage, you're now talking about friends, families, colleagues, fellow employees, all of whom are now focusing on this person, this single person. And for every person who is so affected, either through dying or through suffering a severe adverse reaction, you could be talking about, on average, 20, 25 people who are now thrown into some degree of emotional turmoil, demoralization, suffering, confusion, and so if you were to take this out, a million deaths every year, two million adverse reactions, so let's call it three million people, you could now be talking about at least 60 million people in America every year, every year, who are basically experiencing, you know, turmoil, suffering, confusion, inability to think straight, can't do what they want to do in life, can't think about what's happening in the world or in the country, can't see what's happening before their eyes as governments become more invasive, as corporations gobble up more land, resources, labor. If they could even see it before, they can't see it now because they're too distracted by all of this. And Ellis spelled this out to me, and he said, don't think this isn't intentional. He said, I should know because I did a lot of propaganda along this line, a lot of PR. It all has to do, for example, with grief counseling, getting therapeutic help, muddling around and trying to express your feelings about all of this. Digging yourself in deeper, basically, is what it amounts to. And the potential for being diagnosed, we're now talking about the peripheral people, with mental disorders that require drug therapy, toxic drug therapy. It's a compounding situation, as he put it to me. And the playbook on the propaganda is people must be encouraged to see, to believe that they need help. We're now talking again about the peripheral people who are affected by someone who dies or suffers a severe adverse reaction to a medical drug. The peripheral people must be made to feel that the correct and proper action for them to take is to get help. That means professional help. That means therapy. That means psychiatry. That means embroiling themselves 
in what happened to their friend, their colleague, their brother, their sister, their father, their mother. Embroiling themselves to a degree that goes, notice, far beyond the level that they would take it themselves. Far beyond that. And it brings them into the system, into the medical system, where they can be diagnosed, where they can be treated with toxic drugs themselves, where they themselves can suffer a severe adverse reaction or even die, such as from the SSRI antidepressants, which are known to cause people to commit suicide. And so... Now they become another casualty in the war on the populace. And now the periphery of people around them become embroiled, and so forth and so on. And if you want to know what that famous phrase, it takes a village, really means, I just gave it to you. It takes a village to destroy populations through medical medical cartel. That's what we're talking about. This is not only chemical warfare against the population, this is psychological warfare. And Ellis was very emphatic about this. He was a designer of propaganda aimed at prolonging the agony and the misery and involving more and more people in the medical system. Not only for profit, not only for monetary gain, but for population control. Population control is an ongoing operation, and nowhere does it find a more successful home than in the confines of the medical cartel. Quite unbelievable. So let me move now from that although I could stay on this FDA story for a number of hours because, as I say, I've been pursuing it for 10 years and finally the smoking gun has arrived. What is the major cause of disease on the planet? Why do people get sick? For this, I would recommend a very good book, 1976, the author is Ivan Illich, and it's called Medical Nemesis. Illich explored this question. As the answer, he made it very plain that the evidence was overwhelming. When you eliminate overcrowding of populations, when you provide basic sanitation, which includes cleaning up contaminated water supplies. When you correct malnutrition, which involves historically the rise of the middle class and increased technology. When you do these basic things, now you have a radical diminishment of disease of all kinds. The figures begin to go down overall. If you made a chart 
you would see that the trend is down. These are not medical solutions. Not by a long shot. In fact, if you want to see a counter-operation to what Illich is talking about, you need only look in the third world. Ellis Metavoy explained the propaganda operation there to me as well, and we'll take that up after the break. This is John Rappaport sitting in for James Corbett on the Corbett Report. Stay with us. Cool in your pocket, rocks while you're rocking, right? Cool in your pocket, pleasure or profit, you can't stop this night. Rappaport back sitting in for James Corbett tonight. The operation in the third world is as follows. If where you see great disease, you would look at contaminated water supplies, other lack of basic sanitation, overcrowding of populations, malnutrition and starvation, you are looking at the enduring causes of disease. Call it whatever you want to, those are the basic causes. And unless those causes are corrected, no matter what you do, you're not going to alleviate the situation. It's as simple as that. So what do we see? We see all of these medical programs generated as, quote, humanitarian aid to the third world. Oh, we're going to send in doctors. We're shipping drugs, better drugs, more drugs, vaccines, etc., etc., etc. Now, of course, many of these drugs are highly toxic. The vaccines are all toxic, especially since the immune systems of the people to whom they're given are already severely compromised. And anyone who has a grain of knowledge about the way these substances work will understand that if you give a vaccine to somebody whose immune system is not in good shape, you run an even greater risk than you would with a healthy person, which is already risky, of causing disease, even fatality, death. And yet, the drum roll continues, the beat goes on, the propaganda is enormous. We are helping people in the third world, we are humanitarians, we want to get more medicines to them, we want to get more drugs, we want to diagnose them with all kinds of different conditions that will require different drugs, we want to vaccinate everybody. Not only is this very harmful and in many cases lethal, but it distracts from the obvious remedies that need to be accomplished in order to drastically cut disease in the third world, which is, again, clean up the water, bring in basic sanitation, eliminate overcrowding, 
and remedy generation to generation malnutrition and starvation. And you can add in another factor, which is restore the stolen lands to the people who at one time were growing healthy food on those lands. But this is not being done. And it's not being done on purpose. Because the World Health Organization is well aware that these are the basic problems in the third world. The ones I just mentioned. And they appoint task forces. And they do studies. And they make recommendations. But nothing happens. There are tech companies all over America. All over the world who could come in for a relatively low fee and clean up the water supplies right away in any of these countries. And this would be an enormous boon to health, just that factor alone. All of these issues are correctable. But because the intent is really to harm, to keep populations weak and dying, hanging on by a thread from generation to generation because then they are easier to control and easier to steal from in terms of land, resources, cheap labor, which is the agenda of their own governments in many cases and certainly multinational corporations that move in from various countries. This is an operation, you see. It's both a psychological and medical operation to keep the actual remedies, which are non-medical, from happening. There is no doubt, and I have researched this since 1988, that the program I've just described to you is intentional. The knowledge about what would really change health in the third world is much too widespread for it to be simple neglect, mistakes, incompetence, lack of knowledge, etc., etc. That's all ridiculous. Is That's not what's happening there. So the next time you hear about disease in the third world, understand what that really entails. Understand what that really means and what's causing it and what could cure it, and then see the newspaper articles about aid, 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 and understand that you're looking at an operation. That's what's going on there. Okay, let's move to yet another aspect of the medical matrix. This is more technical but I'm sure you'll be able to keep up because it's not that difficult. And we'll cover it right after the break. This is John Rappaport sitting in for James Corbett on the Corbett Report. listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. You know it's time to get the facts fixed. Prosecutors, Freemasons, 
John Rappaport back sitting in for James Corbett tonight. We have a caller from Las Vegas. Chris, you're on. Hello, John. Pleased to speak with you tonight in James' stead. Thanks for calling. You have a question? Well, I more of a commentary and observation in agreement with what you're talking about, but adding a little bit to it, perhaps. It seems that it's bad enough that they want to inject us with these nano-engineered viruses and uh, other medications that are posed as something else, with adjuvants, mercury, thimerosal, and Lord knows what else. But now they're just as bad as putting it in GMO foods in the fields and the water streams. Uh, sending it out of the air, the chemtrails and metallics, and they can just as easily put the same viruses or bacteria in the chemtrails or psychotropic drugs, should they decide to go that route. And how would we ever know? Aren't we being lulled into a false sense of security by not having any manifestly observable effects from the precipitations from the chemtrails, including the radiation from Fukushima? Thanks for the comment, Chris. Basically, uh, we're on the same page here. What's happening, as far as the individual is concerned, there has to be a great deal of emphasis on strengthening the immune system of each individual. Although this is not absolute foolproof protection against everything that can be done to you, it is the first line of defense and in many ways the best line of defense. And interestingly enough, strengthening the immune system is not something that the medical cartel has any stake in, nor do they have treatments to do that. So if you were to go to your doctor and say, well, the reason I'm here, doctor, is basically I'm feeling okay, but I want to strengthen my immune system, he would have nothing for you. What he would try to do in the absence of being able to prescribe drugs immediately is to see if he could diagnose you with something negative and then hand over a prescription slip. Strengthening the immune system is a natural activity. You go to natural health. You go to the things that you do that concern the food you eat, the exercise that you have your state of mind, what it is that you are committed to doing in your life that brings you more energy instead of less energy, the basic things that keep you not only alive, but the immune system functioning at a high level. And that presents us with a lead into the next subject, which is very poorly misunderstood, but is yet another operation another operation on the populace. And I'll try to break it down in simple terms. We have this thing called an antibody in the body. Basically, it's a scout for the immune system. The immune system sends out these scouts in the body to look for invaders, let's call them. Invaders that shouldn't be there or shouldn't be there in the numbers in which they are there. And this could include microorganisms of various types. One of the functions of antibodies is to identify and kind of paint a label on these intruders 
so that other elements of the immune system can then jump in and take proactive action against them and neutralize them. So antibodies are very important. But here's what happens. The question arises, what is an antibody? Where does it come from? What is it? More importantly, what does it really signify when you take a diagnostic test? Because you see, many diagnostic tests for illness that are taken with blood are really tests for antibodies. That is, these tests supposedly will be able to say, well, you have an antibody against the hepatitis virus, okay? And therefore, we know something about what's happening in your body. Because we know that the presence of this antibody is specific for hepatitis B. And you, the patient, say, yes, uh, what? What does this mean? Now, this is a key moment because up until about 1981, 82, it was common knowledge in medicine that if you had antibodies to a particular germ, that was a good thing because it meant that your immune system was doing what it was supposed to be doing. It was sending out the scouts, and the scouts were identifying this particular germ, and your immune system was dealing with the situation. Suddenly, everything was turned on its head, and the presence of an antibody to a specific germ in the body was said to be a bad thing, a bad sign. It was a sign that you were already ill, or that you were going to get ill with a specific disease. And this was an incredible denial of science, an incredible operation, which would permit doctors to diagnose millions more people with diseases they didn't have, never had, and weren't going to get. You've heard of the antibody tests, I'm sure. And somebody said, well, I tested positive. And you say, well, what did the doctor say? Well, he diagnosed me, told me that I have SARS or I have uh, bird flu or I have swine flu. And he's given me a prescription for a very powerful drug. Yes, of course. Whereas more than, say, 30 years ago, it was common knowledge that that was a completely reversed diagnosis. It was a false diagnosis. The presence of antibodies was a good thing you never would have been diagnosed with any of those diseases, and you never would have received a prescription for a drug. This whole reversal has happened within the research establishment of the medical cartel. It is a scientific trick to enable many, many more people to be diagnosed with diseases, and it's worked. So keep your eye out for any articles that appear that talk about antibody tests, and you will see what I'm talking about. This is something very important to understand. Chris from Las Vegas off the air asks, if nanomolecule technology, for example, Morgellons or Morgellons, is possibly designed to avoid detection by the immune system, 
I could only speculate on this. But from the small amount of research that I've done on nanotechnology, I would say that it is quite possible. If you can make particles small enough, especially if you can introduce many of them into the body, that the ordinary methods of the immune system would not operate as they should. This, however, does not mean that the immune system is completely neutralized because were these tiny particles to begin to cause illness conditions, what could very well happen is that a person becomes infected with secondary infections that could be dealt with by the immune system if the immune system is strong enough. So it's not a reason to just discount the immune system altogether and say we have no hope or nothing can be done about this. Not at all. However, it would be my sense, that's the best I could put it, that if particles are small enough, they could evade detection by the immune system. But again, this is not a reason to just throw up your hands in the air and say, I have no hope, because that is going to depress your immune system. That is going to make you weaker. That is going to actually make you less energetic and able to respond to life in general. So take that as being significant and important. Thanks, Chris. Good comments, good questions. John Rappaport from nomorefakenews.com, sitting in for James Corbett tonight. My new collection, The Matrix Revealed, goes into this and many other matters concerning the overall matrix at much greater depth than we have time for here. But I wanted to give you several stories that are key in understanding the actions of the medical cartel. It is anathema to the cartel to admit that better nutrition, clean water, good sanitation, lack of overcrowding, terrifically good nutrition are what keeps people healthy. And therefore, they have to parade in front of you a whole array of scare tactics meant to involve you in the system. This germ, oh, and then we have that germ, and we have this pandemic, and that phony epidemic, and so on. And all of these have turned out to be phony epidemics, by the way. West Nile, SARS, bird flu, swine flu. They all caused exceedingly minimal damage. Much, 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 much less, for example, than the common death statistics for ordinary seasonal flu on a global basis every year. And yet they were heralded as being imminent dangers to the survival of Earth's population, blah, 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 blah. A fear tactic to involve you in the system and get you to be compliant and obedient to doctors who will tell you what to do and what toxic drug or vaccine to take. That's the strategy. That's the operation. The germ becomes the ghoul, the demon, the invisible thing that is used to 
hypnotize your consciousness so that you will not think about the very basic measures you could take to improve your health and increase the power of your own immune system, which is formidable, because that's not medical, you see. Never was. Never will be. That is relying on the natural healing power of the body. So essentially what the medical cartel is doing is trying to sell you back your own immune system because it is your own immune system ultimately that heals you of illness and disease. I'm not saying that there is no time and no place and absolutely no situation in which you want to take a certain medical drug in an acute crisis. And of course, ultimately, it's all up to you what you do whether you seek medical help or naturopathic help, it's your freedom as a responsible adult to choose for yourself, although you can see that there is increasing encroachment on that freedom. And that is spelled out, as I mentioned last week, in the shape of what is being called Obamacare in the United States or national health insurance policies. We are told <clears throat> that in the paradises of various socialist countries, all of this is dealt with wonderfully, uh, free medical care for all, and if we in America would only copy this, everything would be fine. But you see, what's happening in many socialist countries, especially in Europe, is that natural health is being edged out. It is being made illegitimate and illegal. People's access to nutritional supplements is being smashed. If that's freedom, then, you know, we're, we're in an upside-down world. So the very uh, nutrients that could help you become stronger and less... Uh, open to becoming ill are suddenly swept off the boards so it's not a paradise by any means in these socialist countries and also what's coming down the train track at you is the following under a national health insurance care plan sooner or later as in the United States, this will be happening if Obamacare is declared constitutional by the Supreme Court, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services will lay out a chart of all of the diseases and mental disorders that are considered to be legitimate, medically speaking, you see. And these will be subject to additions, the only permissible conditions to be treated by medical doctors, the only treat treatments to be received by patients who are under the umbrella of this insurance system. And with the diseases and disorders, there will be a list of permissible treatments, which for the most part will be the same toxic drugs that the FDA is approving that are killing 100,000 people in the United States every year and causing 2 million adverse reactions, serious adverse reactions. The door will close, the padlock will be put on, and the people within the system, 
the patients will be locked in. That's the future, up the road. That's the future of every national insurance plan up the road. That's the operation. That's the intent. That's what it's all for, to capture everybody in the system and then to say to them, these are the diseases with which you can be diagnosed. You must accept the diagnosis and you must take the drug that we give you for it. From cradle to grave. That's what's waiting. And under that system, many, many more than 100,000 will die every year. And many, many more than 2 million will suffer adverse reactions. So, one of the things I'm suggesting to you is, yes, there are many exotic experiments going on in which we are the guinea pigs. And Chris was talking about Morgellons, chemtrails, etc., etc. But let's not forget the ground-level truth here about disease and the medical cartel because overwhelmingly this has been a significant killer for a very long time and it's only getting worse and you need to know about it. John Rappaport will be back in a minute. Sitting in for James Corbett tonight. The medical matrix is one aspect of the overall matrix in which we live. Understanding how it really works, how it attempts to bring you into the system and keep you there is vital for you, your family, your friends, your colleagues, everybody. Knowing how the propaganda operates, along what lines, how the media is saturated with positive stories about the medical cartel in one aspect or another, and how the unpleasant and uncomfortable and devastating truths are swept under the carpet is vital. That's why to discover that the federal agency called the FDA has actually admitted on its own website that the very drugs it is certifying as safe and releasing for public use are killing 100,000 people a year like clockwork or a million people per decade is a fantastic breakthrough if the story spreads wide enough, if we can move it far enough into the web and put enough pressure on mainstream media which has happened with many other stories in the past where it becomes irresistible where it becomes absurd and ridiculous to all that the major media are not covering it so that we make the guilty squirm and begin to defend themselves 
And then people begin coming out of the woodwork, professionals admitting, yes, I knew, yes, I knew, yes, I knew, yes, I knew. Yes, I tried to tell the truth. Yes, it was suppressed. I tried, but I couldn't, and now I will. And then it's an avalanche. It's an avalanche that makes Watergate look like a Sunday school picnic. That's what the possibilities are here with this story about the FDA, because the smoking gun has arrived. All right. That's the show for tonight. This is John Rappaport thanking you for listening. Again, sitting in for James Corbett. You can find my work at nomorefakenews.com. And click on the banner at The Matrix Revealed to see about this new collection. We'll see you again next week as James is still away. We'll be back on the 29th. Have a good night.